Welcome to the Kata Brothers Travel Club, a new podcast where we explore some of the world's best destinations through the stories and experiences of locals and people that have had meaningful adventures there. We may be stuck in quarantine because of the COVID-19 pandemic, but that doesn't mean that we can't explore the world. Join us, and no matter where you go, you'll always feel like a local. everyone. Welcome to the Kata Brothers Travel Club. I'm your co-host, Jared Kata. And I'm your co-host, Brendan Kata. And this is a new podcast uh, that we're rolling out right now. Not to, not to brag or anything, but this is our second podcast. We have a very famous uh, movie pod out there called Bit Party. It's made us wildly rich and successful. So if you haven't listened to Bit Party, but you love movies, uh, definitely check that out. Like I said, shameless plug there. But anyways, welcome to the Kata Brothers Travel Club. Despite the fact that we are in the midst of a quarantine, thanks to COVID-19, we figured that this would be the time to start a travel podcast. It seems really crazy, but at the same time, I felt like it's what everybody was really yearning for. Uh, And me personally, I just need this to get a little bit of an escape since we have been in our apartment for about a month now. We've canceled a good amount of travel plans to accommodate our quarantine, but it gives us a good opportunity to create some content about something that we're both, I think, really passionate about. Exactly. And I have always said that you have to find a way to turn your hobbies into content in some way or another. I know that sounds a little pretentious, but at the same time, you know, it's fun to share. And I have this passion for travel. You have this passion for travel. And we have friends that live all over the world. Yeah, yeah. So in a weird way, this pandemic has inspired us to not only create this podcast, but to reach out to our friends and our family that are in really cool destinations and learn a little bit more about what their life is like, but also for the audience, give them some tips and tricks so that they can always feel like a local once they're able to start traveling again. I think it's no exaggeration to say that this podcast is just as much for us as it is for anyone else listening. Mm -hmm. The places that we're going to be talking about aren't necessarily places that we've even been to. So we're getting just as much. We're learning so much about these places and the experiences of the interesting people living there uh, just by making it. I think that travel is that topic that almost everybody can relate to. And the fact that Each individual person has their own favorite travel story. That's another thing that we want to get out of this podcast. So not only looking at the local perspective, but also interviewing some people that have had a really meaningful experience or really Mm -hmm. fun experience or really drunk experience in destinations (laughs) that hopefully we'll be able to travel to pretty soon. You're obviously a very seasoned traveler. And having traveled with you before, you're excellent at making itineraries. Something that I was curious about and wanted to talk about in this pilot episode was what would you like out of a travel podcast? What would help someone like you who really loves the process of putting together step-by-step a, uh, a really thorough trip? That's a, that's a great question. I want to go back a little bit to kind of like 
the idea of building content out of your travel plans or the idea of of what a really good travel story is and it kind of one of the other motivations for doing travel content is like this infatuation that I had always had with Anthony Bourdain mm-hmm. and obviously he was an incredible individual who uh, sadly uh, took his own life and that had kind of an interesting effect on me because I had really idolized him and to feel this idea that his life was not satisfying enough or that these other barriers that had come into his life were so serious that he decided that it needed to end. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, everybody's looking at him like he's got this perfect life and he's living these, like all of our fantasies. It's a good way to put it, yeah. So it went from like idolization to like this introspective thing where I was thinking about like what is important about travel and that's what got me to this idea that we would interview uh, friends and family. Oh, I see. Because I think that there is something to the idea of hearing a recommendation from someone you trust or someone you care about and knowing that uh, their idea of a fun time is sort of in line with what yours is. So I think that what's cool about what we want to ask our our friends that are in these different destinations is, yeah, I want to know about the food and the drinks. Uh, I want to know about the culture, like the museums and and the sites and architecture. And I want to know, like, if can I go on a hike or something? I want to know those things, yes. But I also want to know, like, what's their what's their best night there, or what does a day look like for them, yes, so that yeah. when I'm, like I said, when I'm in these locations. I do feel like a local, but not in that like underbelly, gruff way that Anthony Bourdain did. Like yeah. I'm doing it with somebody that I care about. Interesting. Oh, yeah. That's a very good way to put it. Having a, a, a sense of connection. Mm-hmm. Something that I wanted to get out of this podcast also touches on on Anthony Bourdain. Of his very impressive body of work, something that he did that stands out to me as very useful and a very interesting idea is he has these short essays that are put up on the the Travel Channel website that are just the perfect day in a given city. Mm -hmm. And what I think is so interesting about that is he will go into detail about things like you go to this place for, um, you stop by this place for a beer, you walk out, walk two blocks to your right, and you're at the best ceviche bar in the city. Mm -hmm. Exploring the city, not as a segmented group of small businesses to hit, but more as a neighborhood. Now, Brendan, this first episode is going to be about a place that is very special for us. And it is sort of a pilot episode, so it's only fair that we uh, kind of feel it out. Yeah. And yeah. Um, see if we're any, even any good at interviewing. Uh, <laughs> we'll start with each other before we uh, ruin anybody else's evening. Uh, we're going to talk in this pilot episode about our home, Miami. Yes. Our present home. Our, pres- our current home. Our current yeah. home. Our current home, Miami. Um, it is a obviously an incredible destination. Yep. There's a lot to touch on with Miami, uh, especially culturally, because it's so unique. Mm-hmm. Miami's a great place to start because it's our home. We're going to provide the local perspective here. And to lead us in, we're going to hear a little more about the background of Miami, Florida. Welcome to Miami, a city known for its incredible beaches, beautiful people, and Latino Caribbean influence. Although the glamour and flashiness of Miami keeps its visitors transfixed on the present, the city has a history unlike any other American destination. It all started when a brave businesswoman named Julia Tuttle left Ohio to become a major citrus grower in South Florida. 
Eventually, she was able to grow Miami into a major hub by convincing the railroad tycoon Henry Flagler to expand his system all the way to Biscayne Bay, where the weather is perfect all the time. Miami became an official city in 1896 and is the only major American city founded by a woman. The sunshine brought a major migration, and by the 1920s, the population had exploded. The local perspective was that the boom had occurred magically, overnight, and that's how Miami got its nickname, the Magic City. After World War II, Cuba's communist revolution drove an influx of Cuban refugees into the region. Today, Little Havana is a defining neighborhood of the city, and one that harkens back to the glory days of the island nation. Cubans brought Miami some of its most treasured pastimes that can't be found in any other U.S. city. This includes cafecitos, dominoes, and cigars. Miami's position as the gateway to the Americas has been a wonderful gift, but it's also the impetus to one of its greatest vices. In the 1980s, Miami's reputation was the cocaine cowboys, and it rapidly became the capital of the drug trade in the U.S. At one point, 70% of all cocaine in the United States had come through Miami. But time passed, and so has many of the city's greatest challenges. Miamians are no stranger to adversity, and that's why the city's people are staunch and unflappable. Its major university even named itself after the greatest threat to Miami, the Hurricanes. There are so many cultures in Miami, and they're constantly mixing and blending to fill the neighborhoods with colors, sounds, smells, and flavors of South America, Central America, and the Caribbean. No other city compares because no other city has this much character or this much rhythm. Welcome to Miami. All right, Brennan, I've been here a little bit longer than you, so I kind of know the ropes just slightly better. <laughs> I'm going to let you ask me a couple questions so that I can be the expert to go, to start. But I know that yeah. you have done your own exploring of Miami. You are active. You, uh, you go find new things. So I have some questions for you, too. I appreciate that. But no, you're definitely the, the expert between the two of us on these matters. Um, so why don't you first just start us off with uh, talking about what brought you to the city and uh, how long you've been here. I've been in Miami for almost six years now. And I moved here at a time in my life when I was kind of uncertain what I wanted to do next. It seems like kind of the craziest possible place to decide to go especially coming from like San Diego where my whole family was and just being like, okay, well, I'm going to pick up everything and I'm going to start my master's program at the University of Miami in Florida. It was and it wasn't a very tough decision at the time. Interesting. What drew me to Miami specifically was I was interested in public health and what's unique about Miami and also kind of uh, in some ways sad about Miami is that there is a very thin line between very affluent communities and very poor communities. And there's a lot of people that are living under the poverty levels here um, and a lot of neighborhoods of immigrants that are escaping some pretty severe scenarios in their home countries. Um, but because of that, I'm, there's a lot of unique public health challenges, and that was appealing to me because I could live in a place like Brickell in downtown Miami, but I could do community work and service in areas that really needed the help. So that's that's what brought me here, and, and um, I wasn't sure how I was going to adapt to it, but I feel like I did a pretty good job. Interesting. Yeah, no, definitely. And it seems like it has what you were looking for. Yeah, Absolutely. You've been here for a long time now. You said six years, which is a, a significant amount of time. What made you fall in love with the city? What made you decide to stay here after you got your master's degree and not move somewhere else? After I finished school, 
a lot of my friends were leaving, either back to California or DC or other places. And it was that was a, a moment for me where I felt like I'm just not done with Miami yet, especially because you live a very different life as a poor university student than you do with a real job and the ability to explore and uh, just like that extra level of confidence knowing that you have a disposable income. I was already very much falling in love with Miami just because of the diversity of the um, the culture that's here. Uh, you know, it's not for everybody, but there is something almost comforting about how kind of brash it is. I don't know. I, I, it's hard to explain for me. I think that at the end of the day, what it was was this this feeling of everything always being different, always changing. But you have the beach there. You have the beautiful weather. Um, there's so much to do and experience, and like I and there's and it is the gateway to South and Central America. And I was just like dying to explore that more. And so, like I said, I just wasn't done with this place yet. And through those experiences, I really do love it in South Florida. That's really interesting, and it is it is hard to explain. But Miami has such a strong presence that I know exactly what you mean by you know when you're ready for that to be out of your life and you know when you're not. You mentioned a lot of the the cultural makeup of Miami and it is, I think you'll agree, completely unique to anywhere else in the United States. In your experience with trying the, the foods from all these different cultures from Latin and Central America, mm-hmm. what would you say is your favorite? Okay, so that, that's, a, that's a good question. And just to kind of touch on what, you were, what you're getting at in a, in a more broad sense, Obviously, Miami attracts people from every country, you know, south of of the United States border with Mexico. You know, maybe not so many Mexicans, but after that, there are tons of people from every different country. When you live here, you get to try Nicaraguan food, Colombian food, Venezuelan food, Argentinian food, all these unique subtleties that are the differences between these cuisines. But my very favorite is absolutely Peruvian food. And I think a lot of people would agree with me. What's different about Peruvian food is that it is heavily influenced by the ocean, much more so than even other countries that have long borders. Uh, But it also just seems to be the hub of cuisine in South America. Uh, And it has definitely been rewarded uh, in that regard by like Michelin star and other like best restaurants in the world. They all seem to be, if they're in South America, they seem to be in in Peru. And I just love ceviche and the Asian influence that's in that cuisine. It's incredible. That's a really good answer. And I think one that would be hard to find in most other cities. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of places outside of Peru that you would try some really good, authentic Peruvian food. Yeah. Except for Miami. Expanding on what you were saying about uh, the different cuisines here and the, the food, what would you say was is your favorite restaurant or a few favorite restaurants that you have in the city? One of my favorite places to uh, go is both a bar, one of the best bars in the city, and a fantastic restaurant, or at least they're, they're attached. Um, and a lot of people know about this place called The Broken Shaker, which is a very famous cocktail bar. Uh, it was started by, I believe the story, I know that one of the founders at least is is Israeli, and I believe that his associate was Colombian. So their food has like this half Israeli Jewish flair and half Latin America Colombian influence. 
which makes it really unique. The bar is called Broken Shaker. The restaurant is called 27 Restaurant and Bar. Uh, the menu is seasonal, so I can't oh, really cool. l- say on this podcast what they're going to be serving or recommend like a specific dish, although I, I think that they always have some form of shakshuka. Um, they always have some version of like a catch of the day, which I promise you is really, really good. Um, and like I said, other than that, they're just combining a lot of different cuisines uh, to, to be a, a really unique menu. So that's a nice night out. Uh, one place that I really dig is called La Camaronera. It is cash only. That's important to remember. I believe that it was visited by Guy Fieri. I believe. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure, but I believe. And uh, it is, as the name suggests, kind of like a, a Cuban or Latin uh, like fish place. Shrimp, grouper sandwiches, etc., but really basic, really simple, like just regular potato rolls and then like a big slab of fried fish. Again, I'll remind you, cash only, but really great. What about you, Bren? I know now now I can kind of ask you some of these questions because uh, I already know the answer to why you came here, which is because I dragged you out here. <laughs> so we'll, we'll pass over all of the sentimental things, um, but you can... I want to know what, what you like to eat when you're out, uh, especially when you're out with your girlfriend, Danielle. The places that have really stuck out to me in Miami are uh, a Peruvian restaurant called uh, Pollo Silladas, okay, uh, which is in downtown Miami. Yeah, I love that place. The neighborhood isn't one of the, the hottest places to be, so if you're going to go there, it might be a good idea to stop at Pollo Silladas and then continue on maybe down into Brickle. Mm-hmm. But the food is phenomenal, and especially if it's your first time trying Peruvian food, It's a must hit. It'll set the bar very high. Another place that I love that is really unique for Miami and also in an area that's definitely worth exploring is a restaurant called 1-800-LUCKY. It is a, a bunch of different food stands located in a building, and all of them are different types of Asian food. Okay. The food is phenomenal, which is nice because there's not a lot of Asian cuisine in Miami. So having that place and having it be really good is uh, such a benefit. But I like that you have a variety of options of things to try. Um, It's such a good place to go in a small group or on a date. And then when you're done, you are smack in the middle of Wynwood, which is Miami's current hottest neighborhood and uh, the, the art district. So it opens up a lot of possibilities once you're done at 1-800-LUCKY. Let's explore Wynwood a little bit because uh, for people that haven't been to Miami, this is a really striking setting. Uh, Every wall is covered in murals. Uh, There is live art going on, musicians kind of on the street. I'm waiting for them to close the road. I mean, they just need to close Second (laughs) Avenue and just let it be a walking area because it is just slammed every weekend uh, when we're not in quarantine. (laughs) There are some great breweries there like Winwood Brewing, like Vezasur. Jay Wakefield. Jay Wakefield, really cool places and really cool bars too. Do you have any recommendations for that area? outside of 1-800-LUCKY, which also turns into a fun bar. Yes. Oh, absolutely. One of the places I want to talk about uh, for drinks in Wynwood is less a bar and more a giant event space in which I've had some of my best memories in Miami. It's called Wynwood Marketplace, and it's very close to where the, the heart of Wynwood begins. There's always drinks going on and stands up where you can, you know... Like, like a, a flea market, like basically. Like a flea market. Yeah. Uh, but every once in a while, they'll have 
other events going on, like for various Independence Days, there'll be these giant parties that are all thrown at Wynwood Marketplace. And it's just a great place to walk around, grab a drink. There's like a dance area, a stage. It's a great way to experience the real culture of Miami. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I would say that a lot of people that are celebrating at those events are locals. Which, Absolutely. Which, which makes it fun. And especially like you were hinting at when you have celebrations for soccer games or like during the World Cup. It was just incredible. Yeah, yeah. It, it was so much fun. When there's not a special event going on on any given night, I really do and always have loved Wood Tavern. Uh, it's sort of an institution in the area. And what I love about it is it has something for everybody. And it that mentality is reflected in its clientele. I mean, yes. it is like yeah. a, a very diverse clientele, really cool music, uh, a lot of different types of people there. It, it's just so fun. And I think that that paints a really important image of Miami as one of inclusion and, and like togetherness and everybody just getting along and dancing. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like it's important for, for listeners, especially ones who haven't been here before. Miami is a very experience-based city. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not telling you outside of uh, Broken Shaker, these aren't the places where you can get the best drinks, the best craft cocktails, the best beer. Um, these are places where the dancing, the music, the life is so fundamental to the city. The reason that I say that is it's a good way to set your expectations. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I like what you're saying. I mean, that that's sort of that disclaimer. I mean, I, I think that while there is wonderful cuisine and other great things here you're right in that people want to show uh, and people want an experience a little bit more here than in other places they they're expecting that yes exactly if Uh, you can have like a rum and coke and have a great time dancing with around all these people who are doing crazy dances to these intense latin beats mm -hmm. you're gonna love it yeah yeah I, I agree. You're going to you're definitely going to remember the ambiance more so than like maybe the the dinner I can, or yeah. the or the drink. Yep, and, that, and that's fine. And that's 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 what's unique about this place is that it really rests on that ferocity of experience. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've lived here, and eventually you kind of burn out of the going out. I have in some ways moved out of the nightlife and into the daytime. <laughs> It's like, I for a, the first maybe three years uh, living in Miami, I had no idea how much fun you could have during the day. <laughs> Unless I was like in South Beach also getting really hammered. Uh, which is a fun thing to do. And you can, you can drink on the beach. And uh, South Beach, I think people see it as like this dirty little like uh, spring break spot. But yeah. South Beach is actually awesome. There's the so time. much more to it. Yeah, yeah. All the time. I highly recommend being on the beach. Uh, and spending a day walking around South Beach. Yeah. Super fun. But uh, like I said, eventually you come to terms with the fact that there are things to do when the sun is out. What do you like to do when we're uh, able to wake up on time and and go do (laughs) things on a weekend and we're not quarantined? It's pretty basic, but I would say the best possible way to spend a day in Miami is to just go to the beach. Okay. Whether you choose South Beach, which is a little bit more lively, or North Beach, which is really nice and a little bit more tame, it's always beautiful weather. The uh, The water is a perfect temperature, and it's such a good way to start a day, even up until the late afternoon, 
and it sets you up to uh, then carry on your night and have a really fun Miami night. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what about you? I know this has been a big transformation for you since you've lived here. I I agree with you. I think that when I came from San Diego, California, which also has a beautiful beach, I left there feeling a little bit regretful for having not experienced it more. Nice. And we get selfish or we get uh, um, comfortable with the proximity to the water and we don't do it enough. Yeah. I promised myself when I was in Miami that I would not let that happen here. And so I, I'm, I feel very comfortable saying that I've been to the beach a ton of times. I have a dope beach setup. <laughs> I have an awesome tent, big cooler. Like I'm just, I, I'm going to invest in that time because that is like a free thing that you can always just do. So I, I love South Beach. I love North Beach. I also really like Bill Bags, uh, like oh, State Park. It's yeah. at the end of Key Biscayne, which is accessible from downtown Miami near Brickell. Okay. Uh, it is like an island, so you hop over on a, on a bridge. It's it's really secluded. It feels very far away from the city, and it has a beautiful beach that just kind of faces out into into the ocean. Uh, I, I really like that area. So Bill Baggs uh, State Park, really cool. Otherwise, if you're just looking to, to get rowdy and have a good time, any beach in Miami is perfect. Any beach. Yeah, yeah. Something I wanted to bring up is you will be able to find boozy brunches here. They are available, <laughs> but they will ruin your night, <laughs> and Miami never sleeps. Like, I think if you got to do it, you got to do it. It's always going to be fun, but it is worth it to take it easy during the day and really experience Miami during the daytime so that you have that energy and are still willing to get up and go to go and face Miami at night because they have the energy. I'm glad that you brought up breakfast and the idea of boozy brunch because, look, if you're not trying to spend your day hungover or like (laughs) passed out on the beach, then you may want to consider a a little place near Brickell called Le Marche. It is a croissant uh, and coffee shop, Ooh, uh, nice. really delicious. I have to definitely give a shout out to these uh, people because I love their place. I'm really, really hoping that it's going to be around after COVID-19. Um, it'll probably be one of the first places I go, but Le Marche, close to uh, to Brickle. I'll, I'll be posting it on the website where to go. Nice. You mentioned Brickle a couple of times, and in the spirit of wanting to highlight neighborhoods, we've talked about Wynwood, which is the arts district. People know about South Beach, of course. Uh, what's what's Brickle's vibe? Well, Brickle is unique because it has really been booming ever since and before I, I got here, uh, really. But ever since I got here, I've seen, I think, no fewer than eight high rises go up. Wow. Yeah. And, and so it's a neighborhood that really took off uh, the minute I got here. Downtown vibes, kind of the financial district. Um, a lot of young professionals living here. So I got to give a shout out to the Brickle Run Club. Uh, of which I am a coach for. It's a huge part of the city, especially our experience in the city. Exactly. It's a defining part of my experience in the city because every single week we're leading no fewer than 400, 450 runners through the streets of downtown Miami. Um, It is a movement unlike anything I have ever experienced. So Mm -hmm. a huge shout out to Frankie Ruiz, who is the founder not only of Run Club, but also of the Miami Marathon, which yeah. is also very much worth coming to. Um, and I would say that the Miami Marathon and Run Club are a serious part of the culture of, of Miami. Definitely. 
but there's a lot of things that are uh, like cultural things to do in Miami. You know, we talked about the beach and obviously everybody wants to get trashed on the beach. But, you know, Miami's fun for a lot of reasons. It is an artistic city like we talked about in Wynwood. Um, there are even some big events that take place all about art. What I think you're referring to is uh, this this huge citywide event called Art Basel. Mm-hmm. What was so shocking to me when I first moved out here and experienced my first Art Basel was seeing an entire city mobilize for this huge, massive event. I think that was very impressive and something that I didn't see so much when I lived in California. There are huge tents set up in all of the major neighborhoods, uh, more than one in most neighborhoods, covered with art, some art to buy, some art to display. In San Diego, there were, you know, neighborhoods would have particularly good farmer's markets or there would be a cool festival on the beach in one of the one area. But for one full week, everywhere you go in Miami is touched by Art Basel. I I think that it is one of the most incredible events in the world that I've ever been to. It is something I look forward to year after year. I have done it every single year I've been in Miami. I have uh, to go to a lot of the uh, galleries to go to a lot of the tents. Um, if you're going to pick a time to be in Miami, there's probably not a better time anyways than December because everywhere <laughs> else sucks. But especially that first week of December is uh, when Art Basel kicks off. And um, yeah, you, you would definitely not regret visiting at that time. Reserve your rooms early, your hotel rooms, your Airbnbs, because it is a, a massive event, but well worth seeing if you have the time and and the appreciation for art. Something that I've noticed living out here is that everyone loves Miami and has an idea, a picture of Miami in their head. So I'm sure that they must want to talk to you about your experiences here anytime they can. Your the the friends that you have outside of the city. What is your favorite story to tell? Your most Miami story that you like to tell people when they ask you about your time in the city. Hmm. That is a good question. Um, There's so many things that have been awesome uh, about my time in Miami. We already touched on Art Basel. Uh, I always like to say one of my favorite experiences was uh, meeting ASAP Rocky at an Art Basel event. That was really cool. Going to Miami Hurricane games, watching Florida State. You were there when when the big comeback against Florida State in Hard Rock. Awesome. I think, though, if I'm going to say like kind of a, a more ridiculous story, uh, it was when one of my best buddies, Steve, was in town. Uh, we obviously started the day and, and plowed through the day on the beach and, um, you know, drinks in hand, uh, just throwing down, having an amazing time. And then in the evening, I wasn't sure if we were going to have the energy to rally, but we ended up going to a strip club called Scarlet's until six in the morning. We got a table there with some other friends from Run Club. And just like every travel experience that I have with Steve is extremely memorable, but that one in particular was amazing. I think that to turn it around and and also make it a little bit more wholesome, one of my other best days in Miami was when, again, Steve was in town, but also one of my other best friends, Johnny, was in town. And we spent all day on a boat. And we were, uh, again, drinking beautiful day out on the sand, uh, at the sandbar near Key Biscayne. And then it just so happened that that same night, 
the girl that I had a huge crush on was at a bar near my house. And, um, and I got to go there and meet up with her, you know, with Johnny as my wingman. And I have been with her ever since. So that was like over a year <laughs> ago. Awesome. So love you, Ileana. But that day was really memorable. Definitely more memorable than the strip club, I will say. <laughs> Just want to clear that up. But both of them reflect a specific time in my life when I was living in Miami. And I think that they do a good job at showing just how much things have changed but stayed fantastic throughout my entire experience here. I want to give Jared a shout out as a host in Miami. Like he really knows how to make sure that you have a good time in this city when you're visiting because I was there the day of the strip club. And obviously you spend all day drinking in the sun. You're going to crash hard. Jared was up making food so that he could let us sleep for like two hours and then wake us up with like taquitos and pizza ready to go (laughs) so that we could rally for the strip club. And that was the most perfect like way to rebound and carry on until six in the morning. That was terrific. I I didn't give you enough credit for that at the time. I appreciate that. Uh, I try to be a good host and Like we said, this podcast is all about being a great host in the city you're most familiar with. So if you have any questions, you can always reach out to us, hit us up on Instagram or Twitter and keep checking in because we have a few more episodes coming out pretty soon to get us through the uh, remainder of April and this quarantine in April. Um, Some really amazing destinations, uh, not just in the U.S., but far abroad. And I think it's going to be really exciting. And thank you for joining us on this journey. And thank you for tuning in for the first episode of the Cotter Brothers Travel Club. Thank you for listening to the Cotter Brothers Travel Club. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button if you're on Apple Podcasts or the follow button if you're listening on Spotify. That way you can be notified when new episodes drop. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at katabros underscore travel club. We're always looking for new content, and everyone has a story worth telling. If you want to share something, email us at katabrostravelclub at gmail.com. No underscore on the email address. Finally, we know these are difficult times, but you're not alone. This podcast was our outlet, and so is the support of our friends and family that are helping us to make it. However, if you're feeling lost or depressed and don't have anyone to talk to, email us or DM us on social. Even if it's not about travel, we're still here to chat. If we all work together, we'll be back to adventuring soon. See you next time.